Hello, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Tell, Don't Show, a podcast about film, pop culture, and life itself, looking at the good, the bad, and the ugly of the industry, balancing thoughtful analysis with harebrained speculation and some random bollocks thrown in for good measure as well. Uh, we are the artists, or more accurately, the podcast formerly known as the Monday Lorians, where we discussed all things Star Wars, starting off with Mandalorian season two, uh, back in the <laughs> the dreaded days of lockdown, <laughs> uh, giving us something to do. And you know, since then we've covered pretty much all the shows that Lucasfilm have produced. Uh, but we thought, you know, as the industry's changing uh, amid the strikes, we thought it was also a good opportunity for us to change. And to head into a new era of podcasts, because, you know, there's other things other than Star Wars we like. So that's why we decided to usher in this new phase, phase two of the Monday Lorian's cinematic universe, <laughs> much to <laughs> Niall's <laughs> grin. Uh, same host, obviously. I am Jake, uh, as Niall puts in our notes, the storytelling man, um, due to my interest in, in stories and literature and mythology and all that stuff. Uh, and you're a scholar i'm a scholar and an academic um and a gentleman and a gentleman well that can be debated eh. <laughs> we'll see <laughs> depends on the day you sure <laughs> i try <laughs> i try uh, but of course we also have niall how you doing niall i'm doing great jake i'm really excited it feels like we are going to be exploring strange new worlds not not the literal star trek show i just realized but New ventures, because uh, as you said, on the Monday Lorians, we did branch out quite a bit, especially when we did recommendations. And I think maybe that was a spark of us realizing, like, we've got a lot of things on our minds about a lot of different things. And again, with the strikes and Star Wars projects being very stop and start, which we'll we'll probably discuss later. It's good that we've got, we'll have a more steady flow of things to discuss that we're curious about. Yeah, because, I mean, apart from Star Wars, as I said, we're fans of other films and the industry and the business side of stuff and, and books and all sorts of other uh, dreaded words like media and content <laughs> that are two words that are thrown about within this industry now. And I think it begs to, que begs to question what those words mean in, in this uh, changing climate. So that's why I'm also really excited for this new podcast, because we're kind of like moving with the industry as it's figuring itself out and i think it's going to be really interesting to kind of fr from from the outside watch how the industry is adapting to all these changes you know and it feels like this is when like news is starting to come out about things happening because there was like a weird lull at the end of the strikes when they still had to get their cards in order and it feels like we've had some really interesting updates and things yeah. lately. yeah i mean well we also had the holidays so that you know it's it's pretty you know, uh, bl uh, blank on news during that time of the year anyway. Um, I, I mean, I should mention as well, takes no breaks. We, we haven't um, excluded Dave from the podcast. Um, he he is still very much a part of the podcast. He's just going through some personal stuff right now, so he, he won't be joining us for this first episode. But don't worry, Dave will be back. Yeah, just despite his incredibly troubling views, we have not kicked him he, off. Yes. Dave is a... A radical young man. <laughs> He's older than us. He's <laughs> <laughs> still young. We're well, all still, we're young, all still young. Well, some, I don't know. Sometimes I, I feel as if uh, the age is catching up on me now. 
It's my hips. Do you know what I started doing, Jake? This is a slight aside, but it kind of ties in because we're both men who really love martial arts, well, films. <laughs> but I've actually started doing kung fu classes. Have you actually? Oh, that's I awesome. That is sick. They, they do them quite locally to me. But after the first one, my thighs were on fire for a week because um, I have not used those bad boys in a long time. Yeah. But soon I'll be tough. And this is actual... This is Kung Fu. It's not Taekwondo, Jiu-Jitsu. This is the real deal, no, no, Kung this Fu. No, this is Kung Fu. That's what grabbed my eye. Because in, in the UK, I feel like when you see martial arts schools, they're usually like Judo or Taekwondo. They, so just seeing they, outright Kung Fu. Yeah, they tend to... I don't know if this is accurate or not, but from my perspective, the Western world tends to adopt more of a Japanese style of martial arts rather than Chinese. Mm. Yeah. Because karate as well, of course. So, of course, yeah, yeah. It's cool to see. And um, yeah, really fun class. I'm trying to... I've actually started taking New Year's resolutions seriously. So I was like, I need to get a hobby that doesn't involve me sat in my ass watching or playing something. So I was like, oh, I'll go to a room in my local community and kick at the air. But what you can do... So, you know, kill a bird with... Um, kill two birds with one stone. Is you can watch awesome martial arts movies... Well, I have not stopped that. Well, exactly. So that, you know, you fulfill one need by watching stuff and then it will also get you mm. pumped up to be like, all right, now I'm going to go to the next lesson and I'm going to be, you know. Yeah. Because <laughs> Mubi have, uh, they put up a lot of Shaw Brothers films recently. So if people are looking for some good Kung Fu, I recommend doing a Mubi free trial or, you know, go and fill for, for a full subscription. There's lovely stuff there. Mm. You're not sponsored. I ha- no, not sponsored. It'd be nice though. <laughs> give us a ring. Yet. Yeah, give us a ring. Um I have yet to give me to watch the wonderful gift you got me uh, for Christmas, Nile. Oh yes, Kung Fu movie. I'm, I'm finding the right time for it. I'm just trying to get some other uh, baggage of movies out the way. So, <laughs> yeah, and that that's the film. Come drink with me, and I recommend if you're going to watch it, make sure you've got something nice to drink with it. It's a very, very good watch. What would would you recommend? Like, um, like a nice alcoholic drink type of thing. If you want to keep in with the film, yeah. If you're going for a dry January, then probably not. Oh, don't worry. Dry January. <laughs> but, uh, that's that's not my yeah. bag, dry January. Oh, good, good. It doesn't exist. Yeah, maybe like a nice Japanese whiskey if you can Ooh, get one. Nice I feel Japanese, like that would be kind of nice. That'd be all right then. All right. I'll, 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 I'll look into that. Mm. But yeah, um, how's your um, what's how's your life been, Niall? Since um, this sort of big change within the podcast and stuff, obviously we said the holidays have happened and... You've still been working very hard. You had two jobs at one point as well. Oh, yes, yes. In December, I was doing a, my, my full-time job. I'm a film restoration artist. That's not me deciding that. That is what it says on paper, uh, which is an interesting debate. Uh, I mean, yeah, I work in film restoration, but I was also doing some kind of film teaching at the weekends. So I did a few seven-day work weeks in a row, which uh, I, li- I like having money, but I wouldn't recommend for any other reason because it is very draining, no matter how much you enjoy it. Yeah, I've been doing all right. I um, I went away for New Year's. I went to Rome, a city I absolutely love. A great place, ate a lot of great food. Yeah, no, it's, it's been it's been smashing. But I have been, the whole time I was there, it did keep coming back to me. It's like, oh, I'm looking forward to doing the new podcast. Because it's, uh, it's shaping up to be, as I said, like a really strange year that should be quite good. Yeah, definitely. I think um I think even just kind of like looking ahead, I was looking at the schedule for 2024 
of like some of the movies coming out and i was like i found it really interesting when i kind of doubled back i was like hang on a second and i counted i was like there's only one mcu movie this year oh is that is that it's is that deadpool deadpool 3 yeah so this is the first time since there's only been one MCU movie in a year since 2012, and that was The Avengers. Oh, wow. That's... <laughs> the tide has turned, but I feel like that might be good for that film, for Deadpool, because I feel like this is... We're going into that multiverse of madness hype because they're doing all these cameos. So I feel like this one might make more than they have in a while because it's been... We we haven't really talked about twenty twenty three, but Marvel had quite a terrible year, I would say. I mean, um, I, you and we can, would, we can get onto that now with our, our sort of thoughts on twenty twenty three. But yeah, I think Marvel especially, but I would say the whole industry in regards to um, licensed entertainment, whether like you know adapting from like science fiction novels or comic books or you know general like franchise stuff. I think it's been mm. quite a tough year uh, for the franchise stuff in regards to the audience. Possibly now we are seeing the results of superhero fatigue, that you know that term that has been thrown around for so, so many years now. I think we might actually be seeing some of the fruits of that. But I also think it's naive to think it's purely that. You know, I think there's a lot of mm. factors into what's been happening within the last year in regards to entertainment and how we consume entertainment. Yeah, I think I think streaming has had a, a big impact on all this. We're seeing like the results from like the COVID era. And now I think a lot of, especially like Disney stuff, because Disney overall had quite a bad year. All their stuff seemed to really underperform. And I think part of that is they've kind of trained audiences to expect it at home now. It's like a family of... A family with like all these kids, like, are we gonna go see Wish day one and pay for all these expensive things in a busy day, or will we wait till it's on Disney, like over the Christmas break potentially? You know, I think they've they've snookered themselves a bit financially, and I wonder like how they, how they can turn that around. But also like a lot of these things didn't get glowing reviews. No, well, I think you know it. We kind of have to talk about the strikes in that matter because that's I think. Mm. The strikes were about a lot of things. You know, I think it, it's, again, it's foolish to think it was about one particular thing. I think there was a lot of things going on in the industry that writers and, and actors were kind of fighting for. And also as consumers reevaluating how we, you know, want to watch movies and TV shows and, and things like that. And I, from the beginning, when, when Disney announced, I can't remember exactly when it was. I think it might have been probably like either around Black Widow or just after Black Widow or something like that, where they were like, okay, all our films, like once they're, they're going to have the theatrical release, but then 45 days later, they're going to go into Disney Plus for streaming. Yeah. Uh, they really, you know, and that before that, the window was, I think it was 90 days. So, you know, get a solid three months mm. in, in the cinemas. But to 45 days, you know, that's six weeks. Um, I, yeah. I said from the beginning, I was like, this is going to really affect the box office performance because there's going to be a lot of people especially families mm. because it costs a lot of money to go to the cinema if you've got a family of three or four um yeah that you're going to be like well we can just wait six weeks and watch it at home because we already pay for disney mm. plus 
You know, I mean, there's, there's obviously a lot of merits to that. I understand the benefits in, in that. But at the same time, I would prefer a longer window. Yeah, and it's especially weird now because it... <laughs> I think it was recently or around this time that those three Pixar films that were very well reviewed that they they put on Disney Plus and not theatrical are now coming to theaters. Soul Luca turning red, you know. I think all nominated for awards the years they came out. I think and you know, very well liked or loved. I, I I don't know. I'm not. I don't have my finger on the pulse with like. Uh, I I really Disney anime uh, Disney Pixar stuff. I mean, I really enjoyed all three of them, but out of those three, I particularly yeah, yeah. enjoyed Luca. I thought that was really lovely. Yeah. And it's just it's funny just um, that they've kind of sold Pixar up the river a bit. It feels like, and then the one film they really pushed in theaters, which seemed to be Lightyear, didn't do that well. So yeah, it's it's weird, and that's the one they were counting on for like brand recognition. But that was just a very muddled message to that film of what mm-hmm. it's about. Is it a prequel to a toy? Is it a man? What's going on? Yeah, that was that. I think that was a film that fell to part of its marketing failure. You know, of, yeah. of what they were, how they were selling us this film. You know, mm. um. I, yeah. I I dislike the term like this film wasn't necessary because I could argue no film is necessary. Do you know what I mean? That whole sort of like yeah. Um, but at this, I, I agree with that. But you know, if you've got a story to tell, you know, tell it. But mm. maybe make it a bit clearer on what we're watching in a sense. And I think on the opposite end, the, the streaming services, Disney Plus in particular, did really well for Encanto because that was released in theaters during covid i think and it didn't you know it was you know things were open at that point but it was still a bit sketchy you know people weren't quite going flog into the cinemas as they are now um so it didn't perform that well in the cinemas but because it was released on disney plus over a christmas break that year it then Mm. massively like you know took off as one of disney's bigger bigger hits you know the songs and everything you know it made it onto the oscars and all of that sort of stuff so yeah, I think it's a really an interesting place where where Disney are with streaming right now, because and I think mm. Disney and the rest of the industry, I think they went all in on streaming, you know, and mm. and, and I think they're kind of maybe thinking back and going, ah, shit, maybe we shouldn't yeah. have been <laughs> all in on streaming, um, and I think we're starting to see that with the slowdown of the MCU. Um, the fact mm. that, you know, we're not getting as many shows onto Disney Plus that they're going to sort of hold back on that stuff. Um, and also, there's another point I was going to make. Oh, yeah. The fact that they've now uh, recently released some of the shows onto physical media, like The Mandalorian, mm. the first two seasons, Loki, WandaVision. I think that's also a sign of Disney assessing going, you know, there is other forms of ways we can release this sort of storytelling to people uh, that and you know and will make money <laughs> you know like what mm. I, I see it as a win-win personally i've always said like yes the physical media is a dying media and the majority of people will probably not buy the blu-ray or the 4k or whatever but those hardcore fans they're gonna buy it you know they well you know it's like oh i'm, I'm sorry i've just got a timer popped up on my zoom it says 10 minutes remaining Oh, okay. No worries. We'll just... Oh, yeah. It's interesting. 
yeah, but I was just going to say, like, last year, speaking of Lightyear, you know, a film based on a toy, but last year, the highest grossing film was Barbie, which is quite interesting, because uh, that, 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 and obviously Oppenheimer, there was a big, like, meme culture around the two of them releasing, but they were both kind of touted, which I find interesting, as, like, original films, and I find that definition, like, very funny, when it's come to, like, obviously one based on a real-life fella, and the other one about Oppenheimer. No, that that was that joke didn't make sense. But um, <laughs> but you know what I mean. One's based on a toy. The other one's based on a historical figure. Mm. And I would argue um, Barbie but, is a franchise within itself. Yeah, and I know it's like very set apart from like the the Barbie animated films that have been going on for years. But yeah, it's just curious. And and for the record, I've actually not seen Barbie yet. Still, so I I, I can give no no thoughts on that. But yeah, the, the top three highest grossing films were Barbie, Oppenheimer, and the Super Mario Bros. film, which I think is the one that I think speaks most about where we're possibly going to see superheroes take a sideline to video game adaptations. Because kids absolutely love those Sonic films. They really love this Mario film. And even that Five Nights at Freddy's, which was very badly reviewed horror film, has that diehard fan base baked in of people who loved that stuff. And it did quite well. On quite a low budget. I think it's a Blumhouse film where they're very good at leveraging that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's what we're going to be seeing going forward. And I've probably already forgotten some of the ones coming out this year. But I think we are looking at more video game films and TV shows. Because The Last of Us was a big success as well. Yeah, And I wouldn't say strange. It, it's not a video game, but it's based on a board game. As Dungeons and Dragons also did um, relatively well this past year. Yeah, that was that was a real nice surprise for me. I, I really enjoyed that film. I was really surprised because I thought the marketing did not sell it very well. Oh, interesting. I was actually on the opposite end where well, I haven't seen it yet, but I actually, you know, didn't really expect much from this film. But I was genuinely impressed by the trailers and some of the marketing. So I, it, oh, right. it was like, oh, I actually think this kind of looks fun, you know, and kind of good. So. I will check I it think, out. I think I was surprised because the trailer struck me. I think the way they clipped it, the humour looked a, li- a little bit glib to me. But then when you see the actual film, it's all quite heartfelt and the jokes make sense for the characters. It's not like characters, like people complain about Marvel films, constantly making fun of the, what's happening. It's like, oh, my name's Ant-Man. Oh, that's stupid. <laughs> they, they don't do that. <laughs> yeah, they no, do that. They, they, t- they sort of wear the silliness in pride, in a sense. Yeah, and it's generally like just cool stuff in the film. There's some cool camera techniques and things, and there's a bit of a uh, Americanized Monty Pythonish humor at times, which kind of worked for me. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, like no, Monty I really Python liked too. it. Yeah, Paramount had a weird year because I feel like they they're big films that they were kind of resting on, like Dungeons and Dragons and Mission Impossible, especially. They did well, but I don't think they did nearly as well as they wanted. Mm-hmm. And I find that really curious. Yeah, I would say it is interesting that they decided to release Top Gun and um, Mission Impossible so close together, in a sense. Because, it, I don't know. Wait, was Top Gun this year or last, last year? Was it? The top, top Gun was last year, yeah. Top, top Gun was a summer... The big film of the summer last year, and Mission. I think, Im- I think they were like, a Mission Impossible they were angling was for Mission Impossible to do that this year in a way. Yeah, yeah, twenty twenty. Yeah, so Top Gun was twenty twenty two. That's it. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting confused. Um, 
yeah, but um, I don't know. I think there was something about that Mission Impossible film that I think was almost let down by the fact that everybody already kind of saw a lot of the stunts through those videos that Tom Cruise, that, you know, be him jumping off the bike and stuff like that, in a sense. Um, I don't know. Mm. I, I feel as if that maybe this is my kind of thing with meme culture. I almost feel that meme culture kind of ruins films as well at times. Like once it becomes a bit of a meme, it kind of loses something mm. a bit. I don't know. I think it could have done better. I, it wasn't talked about as much as some of the previous Mission Impossibles or even Top Gun Maverick. You know, Top mm. Gun Maverick, when that came out, that was like seen as the film of the year in a sense. Well, Mission Impossible didn't really do that, even though there was great hype for it. Well, it was the year of, like, formerly bankable franchises underperforming. Like, you know, like, we've already talked about Marvel, but the DC stuff, I think, all this year did really, really badly. Um, yeah. So, and, and and Fast and Furious 10, you know, those films were bulletproof before, but this, well, last year, people just decided they kind of had it with Dominic Toretto. And, <laughs> and family, it, it yeah. massively underperformed. Yeah. Um, very, very strange year seeing what succeeded and what didn't i think but um i suppose we we should really move on to this year or things we've been doing recently but before we move on jake i need to know because i don't really know what you watched last year what what was like your favorite stuff you saw last year um well i actually didn't watch loads last year because i kind of I don't know, I kind of detached myself for a bit from movies and TV in a sense, um, just because of the general atmosphere of the time, um, you know, with how everything was sort of being treated and looked at. It was selected things I watched and enjoyed. Um, I would say the top thing, without a doubt, was um, uh, Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. So that was the, the sequel, obviously, to Into the Spider-Verse. So... You know, that that first Spider-Verse film, I think, is phenomenal. It's one of the the best superhero films ever made. Definitely, in my opinion, the best Spider-Man film ever, ever made. Um, the second one doesn't quite reach the heights of the first one. And I think part of that is because it is sort of set up as a part one of a part two sort of scenario, which we will get the sequel. I don't know if it's this year or the year after they haven't quite said yet when the mm. sequel's coming out um probably not this year probably 2025 i'd imagine yeah um but yeah that was in it's still such an incredible film even if it's not the my favorite spider-man film it's probably my second favorite spider-man film i just think what they achieved with the first one they took they made it even better and with the animation styles and everything. And it just got me thinking that part of the reason as well, comparing it to some of the other superhero films that we got in 2023, I was like, you know, my kind of taste is leaning towards if you're going to do superhero sci-fi stuff, utilize animation because, uh, you know, animation is such a broad technique for storytelling that really lends itself to, the fantastical such as superheroes you know and i think it's evident with um what sony created and the team with um the spider-verse films uh, and i very much look forward to uh, the the third one which is going to be awesome yeah I, I i really loved across the spider-verse as well uh, i remember i went to see it it was a really hot day i was like oh i'm looking forward to this sat down and within the first 10 minutes 
I had like started crying a bit and not because it was I was like emotional I was just so happy to see something that looked that incredible mm-hmm. when it opens with, with Gwen Stacy fighting that renaissance vulture in, <laughs> yeah. like the, the New York Modern Art Museum I was like what an, what an astonishing feat my, my only big criticism because I don't mind that it's it ends on the cliffhanger I know that was a deal breaker for some people and the length for some people thought it was too long my only deal breaker is I really don't like the the very small bits of live action stuff they use in it. Oh yeah, they've got a, a a cameo from the shopkeeper from the fucking Venom films, which I hate. <laughs> sorry, yeah. sorry, Venom stands. Yeah, yeah, no, it, no, I know, I know, I'm with you. Yeah, and Donald Glover just sat around looking miserable. And I, you know, I like Donald Glover uh, famously, but it's like, oh man, they, I don't need these things to mix and match, and um. Uh, hopefully we don't get like a little little baby Tom Holland in the next one, but oh no, but I digress. Yeah, no, I, I, I digress. I, well, I, I, I was not a fan of those little moments either, and I wonder how much of that was an artistic thing, and how much of that was Sony being like, "Hey, why don't, why don't we like kind of interlace it with the movies that we're doing?" All right. So speaking of uh, Sony Spider Verse films, or is that what they're calling it? Spider-Man Shared Universe, Spunk, whatever the acronym I is. I don't know what the hell they're, <laughs> they're calling it. Yeah. It's an awful universe. Jake, I, it's, it's... Yeah. I, I've heard rumors that you've been catching up. Yes. Well, I, I've kind of been catching up on some of the superhero films I've kind of missed in the last uh, year. Um, Morbius is one of them, which I've been putting off for far too long. Um, I've put this up for far too long. Um, yeah, well, I finally watched it because it was available on on Sky Movies, which which I've got, and I was like, "Hell, okay, I'll watch it." You know, it's 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 an hour and forty minutes. It, it's not long, so I'll just put it on. And yeah, it's as terrible <laughs> as everyone has said it was. It's it's not a good film. Um, I didn't really expect it to be any good compared to the previous two films that Sony have made. You know, the two Venom films, which I also thought were both dreadfully awful um this one tops them in the sense of like it's even worse like there's i i really don't know what this film is tr- is trying to achieve um it's shot really weirdly um i, I don't it, it doesn't know what it wants to be you know mm. is it an action film is it a superhero film is it a horror film like what, what what's the Matt Smith has one of the weirdest performances I've ever seen him do. I really don't get the dynamic and his motivations and all this sorts of stuff. It was just a very, very bizarre, bizarre watch. And of course, Jared Leto, you know, and this is the thing is that with Jared, he gets so much hype and is seen as such a, like a, a you know, a, an actor that has so much potential because he does, he can be a very, very good actor, but sometimes he puts in these weird performances and other times, like this, Morbius, I'm like, are you even in this scene? <laughs> he's just, it's, everything is so, like, just mm. dull, you know, in, in this whole film. It, yeah, that offers nothing, this film, I'm afraid. It's weird, yeah, because the, the hype up of this film is always things like, oh, he's, he's like such a weird method actor. He's wearing crutches and he's, he's demanding to use, like, the disabled bathrooms and things like that. And then you watch the film, he's just the most boring man. He's just like a generic man. He seems his eyes are glazed over in every scene. It's so weird. Yeah. So if it just felt like he phoned it in, like, 
Like, yeah. I, I, like it, but, it almost seemed like I, I, he's like, I want to get one of these superhero gigs, and he gets lumped with this, and he's like, oh, really? This is all I get? Oh, yeah. It's so weird because obviously he did um, the Joker for for two films, kind of. And then yeah, he's like, yeah. okay, I've, pl- I've played the Joker. Now I want to be Morbius. Whose <laughs> like, fucking brain works that way? What, what odd man. Yeah, but, I, it's, I but say, it, it, it's also just this okay. weird thing behind these, this Sony idea of this weird universe with the, the Spider-Man villains and, and them going to actors and saying, hey, do you want to be Morbius? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it's bizarre. It's, oh, is Spider-Man? Am I going to be in a Spider-Man film? No, it's just 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 Morbius. And I will say, like, I I I find the Venom films, I suppose, if, I find them actively annoying. I find myself like deeply irritated watching them. But Tom Hardy commits. His performance is odd, but he at least seems kind of engaged. Yeah. Whereas this film I found more bland. Like, there's nothing I can hate about it because there's nothing really there. Yeah. It feels like you're watching like Van Helsing, but with all the camp taken out at times. Um, it's just boring. Yeah, that, that's As what if... I thought. Like, at least with Venom, there's like an, a, an emotional, like, <laughs> a visceral reaction to it of like, what the, <laughs> you know, sort of thing. Yeah. So, that some of the things it does is just outrageous. But with this, it's like, it's not doing anything it's just plodding along as a film trying to hit its story beats and all, and everyone just seems like so disinterested in their job <laughs> <laughs> well what did you what did you think of the after credit scene did you make it to that yes yes i because I, I heard there was one and then you have you know michael keaton <laughs> popping in and being like huh maybe this this place would be better like <laughs> <laughs> Did you, did you have the line because there were some rumors it was cut where he says I don't know why I'm here something to do with Spider-Man I think uh, yeah so, it's, it's... so, so there's, there's like two post-credit scenes there's like a mid-credits and like a yeah. post so you have the mid-credits scene where he like randomly like you see I think it's the after the events of, or no, during the events of No Way Home I think it is I think that's yeah. what they're alluding to where you know you have like the multiverse cracks in the sky sort of thing and and mm. that seems to imply that oh that's brought Adrian Toomes from another universe to this universe, and he's like hey you know I'm here okay whatever, and then he gets let out of jail because they're like oh we don't know who this guy is, <laughs> let him out yeah, <laughs> I, I just found it really odd, um and then um and then there's the post credit scene which. <laughs> Jared Leto was just driving along like this desert. You know, you're like, what is this? Yeah. And then he's just there in in the in like the darkness, and then fucking Vulture comes, and he's like, hey, I don't know why I'm here, but I think it's got to do with Spider Man, you know. And I think Moby's like, like, what the hell is a Spider Man? <laughs> Spider Man. And then, <laughs> and then he's like, I think guys like us should team up. Like what? If I was Michael Morbius, I'm like, who the hell are you? Like yeah, she, guys like guys like us. Uh, Michael Keaton for, just knows this man is a blood doctor. Like, what? I, I, <laughs> Does he know, know he's a vampire? I rejected the Nobel Prize. You're a criminal. <laughs> like it's baffling. It's just Michael Keaton's like, oh, I'm in a, a different universe. My wife and daughter don't exist. Cool. I'm gonna team up with his doctor. <laughs> Where did he get the vulture stuff from? 
That's another. I know. It's just. It's so bizarre. I mean, I I know what Sony are trying to do. They're trying to get get to another Sinister Six sort of thing. You know? They're obsessed with a Sinister Six. Obsessed. Absolutely obsessed. Um, they like the Sinister Six more than Spider Man. It feels. Like, I think they do. It's just such a mad thing. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I do think that after credit scene is almost like a work of postmodern art. It almost feels like it's making fun of after credit of scenes credit in scene. a way. Yeah. I know it's not intended because this is them desperately grasping at trying to get anyone to watch this shit oh, now. It's just, it's but, well, and it, this leads on to what I have to say about like this year as well. Where that okay, we're getting only one MCU movie this year. We're only getting one DC movie this year, but we're getting three Sony Marvel films this year. <laughs> And it's just we, what's the third one? We got this, we got Craven. We got this, Ma- Madam Web, Madam Web. I'm very excited for Madam Web. <laughs> Craven and Venom Three. Is that this year? It's, it's scheduled for the end of this year. Yeah. Oh my god! More <laughs> the shit. Yeah. <laughs> what's left? Carnage is dead. They killed Carnage. Like <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I mean I'm trying to think at. Who's left with this for the Sinister Six as well? <laughs> Scorpion. Is Madam Web gonna be in it? Like yeah. I'm so confused. And that's another thing. Like Madam Web is not like, I just don't understand. Like what is what are you doing? Like is she meant to be a hero or something? Like uh, or another villain? Because she's not really Spider Man's villain. No. She, it, from what I know of the character was from the, the 90s cartoon, she was just an old woman who sat down and, and made episodes quite boring, I thought. Well, yeah, she's in the web of the multiverse. She just, like, orchestrates different stuff. And you're like, okay, she's, she hides in the shadows. Okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. But I will say, like, because I, I know you said it was a DC film coming out this year, and I don't think I could name that if you paid me money. As I have Joker no idea too. what that is. Ah, f- good thing f- I didn't Folia, uh, that. Yeah, I, I can't remember what the name you know. It's that French title. It's called. F- Folia du. Folia du, that's it, yeah. Sorry to potential French listeners. Yes, very sorry. We lost them with that. And also Jokers, we lost them. But uh, with my Jared Leto slander earlier. But <laughs> very weird. I will say, though, out of all these superhero things this year, Madam Web looks like the most potentially funny bad to me. I am actually kind of looking forward to that. That's one of those cinema viewings I'll probably sneak a few beers in. I mean, if anything, my, it's, my got, it's got good-looking actors to look at. Yeah, very beautiful women. Yeah. Uh, Adam Scott, who I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, why not? I'm a Madam Web fan now. Why not? <laughs> you're, you're um, what's the term? Oh, what's the the the? You're a Madam Web stan. A web a web head, or is that a, a, just a Spider Man? I think fan? that's a Spider Man fan. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> well, the people who like Spider Man probably don't like these films. Cause, no. or, or vice versa, people who hate Spider Man love him because he's not in them. <laughs> Madness. madness it's crazy yeah it's crazy but I, you know at the same time i have to like because when they announced that sony were doing this from the very beginning I, I i was like it's not gonna work how could you have a universe without spider-man they seem even as terrible as it is they seem to be making it work without having spider-man because well, do you remember the, the the carnage after credit scene was hinting that tom hardy is gonna meet tom holland and oh, then yes, the very yeah. next spider-man film they got away say like well that's not gonna happen <laughs> They, they're such a weird corporate back and forth. They, they need to figure this out because I think people are just... Well, uh, people are... I think people will still like go out to see the next Tom Holland Spider-Man. I think Spider-Man is a character who 
I think will endure this fatigue. I think him and the Batman too. I feel like they're going to do well. But they need to sort this out because he's bringing... S- there's so much weird baggage to this continuity now with the yeah. Sony partnership. <laughs> oh, yeah, anyway. I, I just kind of... Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, let's let's move on. That's Let, a, that's enough spunk talk. That's enough spunk talk. Yeah. <laughs> should we should we move on to um, the news then? Well, I, I've I've just got a few things I've been watching. Oh yeah, spent... of course. Yeah, we yeah, yeah we have. We really <laughs> so, sorry about that. <laughs> no, no, no. no. We just got uh, too funny. much into this. I don't want people to think that this is just like a comic book movie thing. I know we've done a lot of talking on it, but no, it's of course not. I, of course. I like it. Yeah, but I'll t- we'll talk, speaking of Madam Web, I'll talk uh, as well about another great female-led film that would make an awful double bill. Uh, me and Dave went to see Priscilla recently, which is a Sofia Coppola film about Elvis's uh, long- long-time wife. Really, really great stuff. Really harrowing, as opposed to like the Elvis film that came out the year before it, which is almost like a, a jukebox musical, where it makes Elvis out to be very sympathetic. This goes the other way. And kind of shows how alienating and strange it would be to be married to this man who's more of an icon in his day-to-day life than a human being. Just really, really amazing performances. Jacob Elordi from Euphoria does a great Elvis. Uh, terrifying. He's so huge. And the the actress who plays Priscilla, Kayleen Spaney. Kaylee Spaney. Uh, she's great too, but she's also tiny. That there's a great visual power dynamic to just the two of them together. Like you could kind of feel like you know that story just from seeing a still of the two of them. And gets into very weird territory because uh, Elvis met her when she was 14. I know like talking about this stuff is kind of what the worst parts of the internet do now. Like grooming and all that. But I feel like it's very incisive on it. And just ex- excellent, excellent film. Amazing music. Um, I know you're not an Elvis head. Jake, but don't worry, no, there's not much Elvis music in this. No, it, it's not so much about the music, but this really fascinates me. It, it actually kind of interests me more than the Elvis film because mm. I've always kind of been fascinated by the spouses of famous mm. people, you know? Yeah. What is their perspective on the person that they are most close with? You know, there's no one closer to them than their spouse. So what yeah. is their perspective of their life has always intrigued me. Yeah, it's very like, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, years ago there was a Natalie Portman film where she played Jackie Kennedy. Yes, I've seen Jackie. it. Jackie. Yeah. Yes, which uh, which tackles, it, it has a similar vibe, like different directors, but there's like a, a gentleness and a, a quiet curiosity I, to it. I quite enjoyed I really the, the Jackie film, so yeah. Yeah, so Priscilla is a big recommend for me. Uh, this will be the worst segue of all time but speaking of Natalie Portman and grooming I also recently watched May December which is the newest Todd Haynes film uh, Todd Haynes who's a fantastic director he did uh, Carol among other things and this one I I went to the effort of figuring out how to use a VPN to access American Netflix because this is a Netflix film for them but over here it's not I missed it in cinemas oh. Uh, do, do you know this film, Jake? I've heard about Have you it. Heard yeah, of it? yeah. I, I'm, uh, really? I, I do like um, Haynes's work as well. So, yeah, really great stuff. Natalie Portman is an actress who meets with Julianne Moore, who's another former actress who was disgraced and went to jail because she had an affair with a seventh grader. 
Um, and then, yeah, I just thought Jake's face there was worth a thousand, a thousand words. That's a story. But that's a story, and it's it's based loosely off like a real life story of this happening with an actor. But after uh, once Julianne Moore got out of prison, she ended up marrying this young man and having kids with him. And it's really about how that power dynamic has kind of really affected this young guy. And like by by having his life investigated, he starts to realize like how wrong things are. It's it, oh, it's just a real powerhouse. It, it's it's done in kind of a, a slightly melodramatic way on purpose. Like the musical stings are like very over the top. But they work for this kind of story. Uh, and the guy, the guy who plays the the young man, Charles Melton, who is a Riverdale alumni, is incredible. Like in a film with Natalie Portman and Julianne Moore, he's the standout. Because every time you see him, he's got this sense of arrested development, this like childishness. But he's a grown ass man. Uh, it's, it's uncomfortable, but so compelling. Really, really fantastic film. Uh, I recommend anyone on Netflix use a VPN and watch it as soon as possible. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll put that yeah, one. On, um, I'll put that one on my watch list as well. Yeah, really, really great stuff. And finally, this will be a quick one, but uh, we talked about it earlier. I've been enjoying what I, I'm calling Manuary, which is not some like weird manosphere thing. I'm not like a, I've not turned into one of those guys. But it's uh, I'm catching up on some Michael Mann films I haven't seen because Ferrari came out this month as well. Oh, it came out actually on Boxing Day, but I only saw it recently. Uh, Ferrari, Ferrari's a bit of a strange beast because I, I have no interest in cars or racing, but I do tend to like films about them. Uh, didn't fully work for me. Like Michael Mann is a great technical director and he's really interested in people's jobs and how they do it. And that's all the stuff that's really good in this. Is Adam Driver like running the Ferrari company, and the actual races are incredible. Uh, whenever there's an accident in the film, it's the most harrowing shit you'll ever see. <laughs> like, it's 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 very brutal. Mm. But it's a bit a bit lopsided because his domestic stuff, like he's a a bit of a, a playboy Italian in some ways. Like he's married to Penelope Cruz, but he's a second family with Shailene Woodley, who's doing a very strange accent, and that stuff feels actually more melodramatic than May December which was playing it up it doesn't it, it doesn't quite get that balance for me but it's still a good watch and I would I will probably check it out again at some point um but then I also caught up just because I've never seen it and I'm and I'm not I'm not a Will Smith guy generally I like him when he can be funny and charismatic and charming but whenever he's gone serious it doesn't work for me but I watched uh Ali the Muhammad Ali film he made in 2001 and I had to eat my words. Will Smith is really incredible in that film. Have you seen that one, Jake? Yes, I have. Been a long, long time. But yes, I have seen that one. And I believe that was the film where people turned their heads and went, oh, he can do other things than comedy. Yeah. And that's like coming back because uh, I think in 1999, he had a big, big flop with Wild Wild West. Yeah. <laughs> but so it, it's great to see that he, his career went in a different direction. He, he, Obviously, he could have been Neo. <laughs> he could have been. T- he could have been Neo. And watching it, I'm like, uh, like Neo, I'm, I'm starting to believe. But uh, yeah, really, really great stuff. Because Muhammad Ali, again, he's like such an iconic figure, almost like Elvis. That you're like, oh, do I need to see an actor portray him? Is it just going to be like, feel like they're copying videos? But it's much more nuanced and interesting than I would have predicted. I feel if they made a Muhammad Ali film now, it would be everything I dread a Muhammad Ali film would be. 
if that makes sense, of falling into the usual biopic pitfalls. Mm -hmm. But this really just focuses on... The main bulk of it is him refusing to fight the Vietnam War, getting blacklisted, and his comeback with a rumble in the jungle. Perfect. Great structure. Great actors in it. Michael Mann... Yeah, great stuff. And that's one people... I feel like it's kind of faded into obscurity slightly. And I, I hope it makes a comeback, like yeah, Muhammad Ali himself. I did see some unfavorable reviews for it out there. So I wonder if that, like, not everybody dug it, I saw. Yeah, but no, I, I thought very compelling stuff. And that's, uh, I hope my manuary can continue. We're only halfway through the month and I still need to see, like, I've never seen this Miami Vice that some people absolutely love, some people hate. And similarly, Black Hat, the Chris Hemsworth hacker film. So, uh, hopefully, Miami Vice on that soon. will be an interesting one. Yeah, please give I me an update watched... on Miami. Oops, sorry, there's a bit of uh, cutting out. Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I watched the first episode of Miami Vice a few months ago and really loved that. And watching that, I'm like, yeah, I can see why Michael Mann would make a film of this. This is so his tone. It feels like a precursor to his work. And I know he was involved in the old TV show, so... Very curious, very curious. But that is the least topical thing I can talk about, watching the TV show Miami Vice. So let, let's go topical, Jake. <laughs> What's in the news? Yeah. Well, the news, uh, funny enough, as we move away from Star Wars and talking about other things in Star Wars, uh, we're going to talk about Star Wars <laughs> on our first episode of this non-Star Wars podcast. <laughs> <laughs> woohoo <laughs> woohoo and not just star wars but the specific one we <laughs> the specific the one that we base this podcast on <laughs> oh my god so this is well, this is the news and this is not some news from uh you know wh- whether they be reputable or not reputable um magazine or publishers or anything like that. this has come from the horse's mouth itself this is on starwars.com so Lucasfilm have announced the Mandalorian and Grogu are embarking on a new adventure. I'll just read this whole thing because it's, it's kind of short. Uh, a new adventure to movie theaters. Directed by Jon Favreau and produced by Favreau, Kathleen Kennedy and Dave Filoni, the Mandalorian and Grogu will go into production in 2024. Uh, This is what Favreau has to say. I have loved telling stories set in the rich world that George Lucas created. The prospect of bringing the Mandalorian and his apprentice Grogu to the big screen is extremely exciting. And Kathleen Kennedy has this to say. John Favreau and Dave Filoni have ushered into Star Wars two new beloved characters. And this story is a perfect fit for the big screen. Uh, And then along those lines, they uh, confirm that the Mandalorian and Grogu will lead Lucasfilm's ongoing feature development slate, including films held by Sharmino Bade-Shinoi, James Mangold, and Dave Filoni, who is also currently developing Ahsoka Season 2 among those in the works. So, Niall, not only do we get an announcement that we're getting a new Star Wars movie, but they casually sort of thrown in there, and Ahsoka Season 2. That You know, that, that that's greenlit and that's happening as, uh, as well. Um, so now, uh, there's probably a lot to discuss here, but I would start with, when you saw this news drop, what was your initial reaction? Um, it's a weird one. It's a weird one, because I'm, I'm kind of cautiously interested in this, because I think everyone... I think I'm one of those people who, who liked mando season three more than most and even then i didn't think it was incredible i thought it was 
fine to okay a lot of the time. But I feel like the more I thought about this after reading the announcement, I was like, maybe this is them trying to correct course slightly and just I think things got a bit muddled up between them like tying Mando into other shows and that back and forth I think they realized like okay why this really caught on was people really liked that character and the puppet he hangs out with and I'm hoping that this gives people who fell off the boat a chance to just get back in with like a fresh adventure because the end of Mando season three kind of resets the status quo to point when when we did cover it I was really frustrated because I felt like all the things that happened in that finale are things I took for granted anyway. It was like, oh, I assumed they were already like adopted father and son. And I assumed they were going to be hunting down Imperial warlords, uh, you know. But I think this is kind of a strong place. And, you know, John Favreau, I don't love everything he's directed, but he has made some really, really good things, I think. So it's it sounds strong. I'm hoping, I think we talked off the air about hopefully like uh, the cinematographer Greg Fraser, mm-hmm. did I get the name right there? Uh, and like, and I mean like Ludwig Göransson coming back. Like, if they can get a really good dream team together and just make a very clean adventure film, I think that would be really excellent. What I think I found actually more interesting than this announcement is just because I've been in the weeds of some rumors lately. And I, I think, you know, rumours are what they are and with Star Wars, there's too many bullshit ones. But there was one where with the what we, I think, had previously assumed would be the next film based off what was announced would be the Sharmin Obeid Shinoi Ray film. Mm-hmm. I know it's not a film about Ray, but that's kind of all we really know. But there was a rumour going around that if they didn't have a script they were happy with in January that they would kind of push something else forward. And I feel like maybe this is a sign of that, that they know like Mando's something, they can kind of get get the ball rolling with faster to fill that stopgap, if that makes sense. I can I can see that happening. Because um, it just feels like such a strange sudden announcement, just a random January weekday. They're like, by the way, Mandalorian movie. And that, that which has also been rumoured for quite a while. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm... I'm interested, but also quite cautious because the the Mando verse stuff has become a a bit of a sticking point for me in the past few years. Mm-hmm. What about you, Jake? Well, when I first saw this news, I thought I was surprised, but then I double checked myself and went, "But it also makes a lot of sense, and it feels." And I don't say this in a bad way, but very safe for Lucasfilm to make a film with mm. Mandalorian and Grogu. And I don't mean that in a bad way. You know, I, I think in the position they're in now, I think they might need to make a, a safe kind of film to maybe bring the audience back on their side. Um, which is why I always argue why The Force Awakens did what it had to do to bring back Star Wars fans into the fold after some of the bad taste left by the prequels. Um on upon reflection, now we look back, we go, oh yeah, we could have done things differently, absolutely. But at that point in time, I think they, they did the, the things it needed to do. Uh, and I think they're kind of doing the same here. Um, what is interesting is that they have announced this very still relatively close to uh, last year's celebration, where they could have easily announced this there, um, along with the other mm. films that they announced. Um, so it leads me to believe either two things 
One, this movie was already in development, but at that point in celebration, Mando season three had not finished. They had actually premiered episode seven and uh, at celebration, mm. and then it was the following week where the the finale was coming out. So maybe they thought, let's not announce it because th- this current season is not over. The other thinking I have is that this is a reactionary move based on everything that's happened the last few months regarding the strikes and the restructuring of Disney. Uh, Bob Iger, you know, being very public about, okay, we're going to rework things within the MCU, Lucasfilm, the amount of um, product that we release is going to be sort of trimmed down. We're going to look at different revenues and different aspects and stuff like that. I think this could possibly be more a reaction to that sort of thing of going, okay, we have these three films in development. And that's the thing. The people also, I think, sometimes misunderstand when they when they say when their film is in development, it doesn't mean it's going to happen. It means that they've greenlit, okay, that's cool. Work on that script. We like that. But at any point during the process, they could be like, it's not going to work, you know? Um, mm. And I feel as if with these three films, even though they seem pretty solid, that they're going to happen unsure about the mangled one at this at this present moment but i think the charmino bay chinoy one is definitely going to happen along with absolutely the feloni one that is going to happen because that's kind of what we're kind of leading up to within this tv universe um but mm. to me it seems like they were like it would be really great if we could get another movie out there and what story that is pretty much already embedded within the Star Wars psyche that we could get pretty relatively quick out and from an experienced director who knows the story knows these characters already has his crew in place you know I would hope Mm. with it being a movie they do get a bigger budget that they can film (laughs) on location other than just the volume I would hope that but at the same time Favreau's got his crew. He knows the technology. He kind of knows maybe where this story's going. He could probably get a movie off really quickly. So when they say it's going to start production 2024, I believe that. I believe they can shoot this film and get it pretty ready mm. for a 2025 release date. I- I'm pretty confident Favreau can can do that uh, with this film. Um, in regards to the film itself, I kind of hope we go back to a season one kind of vibe of Lone Wolf and Cub, of, like you said, Niall, the reason this show was so appealing at the beginning was those two characters. You know, that's why we kind of fell in love with this show. And then you could say in season two, it started to go off the hinges as it started to expand into the wider universe. Um, Mm. But I would hope in this movie, if it's going to be, you know, a tight 90-minute, two-hour movie, just make it a fun adventure about this guy and his little green pal... You know, doing, you know, because we ended on Mando season three with, you know, Carson Teva saying, or him saying to Carson Teva, look, I've got skills. I'm a bounty hunter and I know you, I know you need help. You know, I can hire me for a job and he hires him and this is one of the jobs that he's going to explore, you know, keep it a tight movie, fun adventure, but kind of also Mm. that nice blend that they got with season one of that Western meets samurai vibe. Yeah, and I, you know, I agree with you on the season one stuff. Um, but I also hope, and to to paraphrase Harry Styles, that it it feels like a movie. Yes, it's not just like 
so TV film. If they want this, if they if this was just going to drop Disney Plus, I'd be like, oh, that's fine. Like make a TV movie. But if they bring it to theaters, I hope they take advantage of that increase in production. Because if they like took the cost of probably one season of this, but pumped it into one thing, I don't know. You could probably get something a bit a bit richer from it. I'm yeah, I am hopeful, but I also hope this isn't just something they want to do to like set up something for like the Dave Filoni film. Like it's all right if it has a bit of that, but I hope it's not just building blocks. Because I hope that they're paying attention to Marvel's problem at the moment, where it's like they're building off everywhere and going nowhere. It's like you said, just just keep it simple, keep it tight. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's probably... It's a shame about the James Mangold one, because that is the one, like you said, I feel is the biggest target on its back. Not not for like any reason other than the fact he's al- already like developing other projects, like his Bob Dylan film. He's, he's quite a busy man. He's yeah. the killer for these. He's a, he's a busy man. I always think it's funny, because even though like they're very usually adamant when it comes up in interviews that the Taika Waititi one's still going, I feel like official channels never mention it. They mentioned all the ones they announced mm-hmm. last year, but the Taika Waititi one, because I know, like, he, he's had a bit of a bad streak lately, you know, Love and Thunder didn't get a great reception. Next, his his football one, people said was weirdly transphobic. I was like, mm, good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now his, his, one of his TV shows has been cancelled as well. Um, the Was it What You Do in the Shadows or was it The Boat one? I'm very up to date with my uh, TV. Uh, the pirate one, wasn't though. it? Yes, yeah, yeah, the pirate, the boat one. God, yeah, the the. Black, <laughs> I forget the interesting the, bit. The, the black beard uh, one, yeah. Oh, it's Blackbeard in it. See, I I really don't know, but um, yeah, I think yeah, he plays Blackbeard because I. Oh right, okay, that's funny. Uh, from Hitler to Blackbeard, what a, what a career. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I suppose it's too early to say anything definitive, but I am at least hopeful. I think we've talked about it for years now. It's like, oh, you know, almost good or bad. I just want to see a Star Wars film again. <laughs> yeah, I just want to go to the cinemas and 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 you best believe John Farrow is going to be like, you know, I want to crawl. I, if you're i want to see that crawl again in cinemas you know like and i think john favreau if not the exact same as the saga i think he would want to have a similar type of crawl you know uh or something to like open the movie i think what uh dave filoni did in in uh, the beginning of ahsoka season one i think that yeah. was was quite well done and i think um um what's his name Ron Howard uh, did the same with the solo one. I thought that was was quite yeah. well, was quite well done. So something like that would be cool. I, but I, I just want to. I like I like the Ron Howard one because in solo he used it to pretty much say like petrol's really expensive, expensive in yeah. space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but I want to get that vibe of just that buzz of going to the cinema of like you know we're gonna see a new Star Wars film. Like at the same time yeah. though, I'm fully aware that I don't think it's going to be on like Force Awakens level of of hype of that type of thing. I I still think if it's going to focus on the Mandalorian and Grogu, it lends itself to a smaller scale story in in a sense. Mm. So I'm not expecting a big spectacle like the trilogy films, but 
still yeah. a return to form to Star Wars in the theaters w- w- would be awesome. I am really curious what like a trailer hook would be to get everyone excited and not not to do with like characters necessarily being in it but i always like to think about these things if i was lucasfilm now like what would i use as my well i think it's it, you gotta i think it all kind of depends on who the quote-unquote villain is of the story do you know what i kind of want to see in that trailer and i think i said it years ago is i want to see that helmet smash and that's a big thing. Here's, People be like, oh shit. Here's another thing. This is personal. If we're doing a movie and we got the budget, maybe we can afford our lead actor on set so he can show his beautiful yeah. face. I was going to say, because it's funny, this is the first one greenlit since the strikes, and it may very well stare a, a stunt double and a puppet. <laughs> Give me actors. Yes. And that's not me dissing stunt doubles. I think stunt people are great. But, yeah, but well, you know, it's like. It's, well, this is the thing I hope. I've always thought anyway that within the first two seasons and some of the third that we are leading, you know, I thought part of this, the Mando's appeal of of his story was that he's maybe questioning the helmet, you know, and what it means Mm. to be a Mandalorian. And then it kind of just kind of falls away towards the end of season three, you know? Oh, well, yeah, let's just all wear helmets. You know, it's fine. Like, we can live with the people who wear helmets and and don't wear helmets. We can all live together. It's fine. And I thought, no, are we not questioning more about this? (laughs) Like, you know, so I hope we get more to that of him, you know, yeah, let's let's hope that helmet gets destroyed or something and he's got to deal with it. It would be, it would would rule because then that's like, some people complain like, oh, that makes season three pointless. I'll be like, no, I think that actually makes it better. If it's this thing he works so hard towards and he still like, he gets that taken from him that I think it gives it personal stakes. I don't know. I wouldn't mind if they wanted to like the Mandalorian, one last job, that kind of thing. I wouldn't mind if they do want to tie it up because this is a character people love, but I, how, how long can it go? Because it does feel like is stuck in a bit of a cycle with him mm. well, unless they make him part of this like big fight against Thrawn and I just don't well the uh, well I was it's not within the Lucasfilm um, announcement but I was reading on Deadline who are you know a very reput- reputable source uh, within the sort mm. of film journalism so a lot of the stuff they say I do trust that they have some validity in them but they I was reading a report that said that amongst this movie season 4 is still in the works yeah, I, that would be that would be tough though, because if this film is like really looks really high budget and great, and then it goes back, yeah, to how like, the can, season three quality, it'd be weird. Yeah, can you go back to that sort of TV quality? Because uh, the X Files did it in the nineties; they had a film partway through, but then went back to the show, mm. and um, and then I don't know, I haven't gotten that far yet. And so. then, but and then Filoni's kind of doing the same thing, but leading up to a movie. He's you know in his in, that makes more sense. In his, to me, yeah. He's in his TV world, building up to it, and <clears throat> um, among that as well, um, a little a little sneaky a little announcement of oh, Ahsoka season two as well. That's also happening. Um, mm. I'm just going to pause here because we got like a, a couple of minutes. Um, actually, I'll just carry on and then we can start again. Um, but Niall, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I know you were mixed on on the first season of Ahsoka on on a, on a lot of aspects. So, but do you feel as if we needed a season two, or or where's your head at with Ahsoka? Uh, 
Well, well, like with where it ended, like I just assumed we we're going to get more of this because it's in a. They, they set up a lot of things that they want to continue on with that story, and I, I'd be lying if I if I said like I'm super invested now. It like, and it feels mean because I I don't want to be mean to Dave Filoni, but I think he's kind of caught up in his own bubble of storytelling, and I think it's actually quite suffered for having all these tools at his disposal. I think I would like it if he stepped into a George Lucas position, like who who mentored him in Clone Wars, and he had like a younger creative who's better at structuring a narrative, and he's like guiding it, like showrunner. I think that would help because the last season like has its ups and downs, but overall, like I just get frustrated when I know like slight tweaks could make something really sing. I said it, it, it stutters. But yeah, the passing of Ray Stevenson is obviously a huge blow as well. So we'll see. I Again, maybe there'll be that trailer moment that brings me back. But at the moment, it's kind of a lot of people stuck on a on a planet. On a, on a, of, on a like, different lore. galaxy. <laughs> a different galaxy, but full of stuff we know from cartoons. I'm like... I wish they could have gone a bit mad. Like I love the crab people, but oh yeah, the little the little turtle I love people, the crab people, the turtle people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were great. They were great. Yeah, it's. I do agree with you. I I think if Filoni is truly George Lucas's apprentice, then maybe he should take a leaf out of George Lucas's book and be like more the architect of this project in a sense, and take a step mm. back in terms of directorial. Uh, duties which to be to be fair he didn't direct the whole series but he did yeah he did write the whole series and i think it would have mm. been beneficial maybe if he brought in a couple of other writers uh to help him out with the, with some of the story maybe not tr- i know he's very protective over ahsoka and stuff like that but you know let let people in because clone wars is is evident of what a great job he did with um henry gilroy you know on, on that show mm. you know that People praise Dave Filoni a lot for that show, but Henry Gilroy was, I would say, equally instrumental in the crafting of that show and in the stories and stuff like that. So maybe a bit more help in regard regarding that aspect, but I still commend him that he's got a vision. You know, he's probably been thinking about this story since he was a kid, since seeing Return of the Jedi and, th- and what happens next, and then being a fan of... Uh, those uh, 90s expanded universe books, you know, Heir to the Empire and, and all that sort of stuff. So I mm. get it and I get his enthusiasm to want to tell these stories, but he maybe needs to take a step out of the bubble and kind of look at how a non-Star Wars bubble person would view this, you know? because yeah. And even people within the bubble, I've spoken to people who have watched Rebels and Clone Wars, and uh, there's, there's someone I spoke to that, like, halfway through the show, they messaged me and they were like, I, this is this. Even though I've seen Rebels, it feels like I'm having to do homework to watch this show, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, th- there's a few things that could be tightened up there. But nevertheless, I'm still excited for a season two. There's a lot about season one that I enjoyed. Um, it's it's you know it, it's kind of heartbreaking, but I think the character is too fascinating to let go. So I think. You might have to recast Balin Skull. Uh, Ray Stevenson did a wonderful performance of him, probably my favorite performance of the whole show. Um, mm. So it's it's the sad truth, though, though I think the character is too important, too in- interesting to just drop, you know? Um, mm. 
So I think they're going to have to recast in, in in that aspect. What do you think? Are you? I know you also uh, really love Stevenson's performance, but are, are you happy for this character to be recast? Uh, yeah, because you know I, I've I've started to realize I, I, it's it's horrible when actors pass, and especially Ray Stevenson really upset me. I loved him for so many things, but I think. I hate saying this because I feel like a dick, but I feel like in a lot of ways the show must go on. Like they they need to, if they want to kind of respect the story and what he brought to it. Because if you asked him, if like I'd say the last thing he would have wanted is for the character to just be written out in a clunky way. And I feel like, I think, I, I didn't think it was amazing, but Wakanda Forever, I think it dealt with the passing of Chadwick Boseman as well as you could. But I think ultimately it may have been a mistake to have retired that character. I know it it meant he meant so much to so many people, but I think in a way the beauty of these stories is characters can be eternal, even if the performers aren't. Um, that was weirdly poignant. That doesn't sound like me, um, but you know what you know what I mean. I, I know, think I, yeah. The, I, th- the, the, I think the I think for, it, for this story, know, as well. I think it, you know as well as the many actors who've played like Batman, for example, have always said, you know, the character yeah. is always bigger than me. Yeah. And I know we've not had yet a case where like uh, a Batman actor has passed before a sequel or anything like that. God forbid. So it's, it's difficult to say, but I think audiences accept it as well. I know it's something that mm. we kind of got a bit heated about. I think when Kathleen Kennedy uh, made some comment about not wanting to recast actors anymore for roles, it felt almost like it dragging um, uh, Alden Elhenreich a bit. Mm. I don't think that was what was intended, but I think it's like I think it's so much healthier than doing these CG things. Like I agree. Yeah, I know people w- people would have gone ballistic, but I think recasting Princess Leia and Rise of Skywalker would have actually been better than what they did. They did the best with that technique, and it's an iconic character, but. It's a sticky wicket. I know. I understand why mm. people are so emotional about it. Obviously, it's literally a matter of life and death. But you just don't want these. You want to respect these performers and these characters at the same time, and find the best possible solution. So, I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, which it kind of leads me into another question I had for you, Nile, in regards to the supposed uh, well, the Felony movie that that we're leading up to. You know. So this is a, a hypothetical kind of my own theory thing. So if he is in some way adapting Heir to the Empire, mm. do you bring back the big three? Okay. Because how could you... Uh, well, I have maybe a case for all three, but I think out of all three, how could you have an Imperial faction coming back to destroy the New Republic without having at least Leia involved. It's, it seems a bit... Mm. But in general, with the big three, do you see them coming back? Or is there a new big three in regards to the characters that we've been set up in this Mando universe, like Mando, Bo-Katan, Ezra, mm. that sort of thing, if that is a big three? Um, or Ahsoka, I don't know. Um, and then if you do bring them back... <laughs> Do you? I'm all for it, but do you recast them? I say recast. Give us a brand new. But you've already got one. Bring back Alden. Just just play a, a slightly older, you know, Han Solo. Not that much older from what he was playing him in in the solo movie. So, mm. like, 
it's a weird thing because I, I, when you were talking about that, my mind was doing somersaults. I feel like uh, I feel like there's there's no way in hell that I want to see the CGI freaks again. I I hate CG Luke. I, I can't stand it, and uh, no offense to that performer because I feel like he could do better without it. But I felt I felt the same way about Tarkin in Rogue One. I'd prefer to have just seen that guy. I like faces, and I think they underestimate how much human beings like seeing real faces. Um, I can I can see it happening because I have I have a slightly cynical streak, and I can see them wanting to appeal to the people who who are so vitriolic and angry that like oh the the big three in the sequel trilogy never met up and had another adventure. I could see them playing to those kind of seats, especially with a fan favorite thing like Heir to the Empire. I wouldn't hate it if they recast. I would be absolutely fine with that. I think that'd be fun. And I also think that's a way to get people on board marketing-wise. Because like I was saying with the Mandalorian trailer, potentially I have no idea what the hook would be. But if you do a thing, it's like, it's a brand new adventure with all the characters you actually really like. Because <laughs> I, uh, I don't want to be too mean, but good fucking luck getting me excited about like Mando's team. It was Bo-Katan again. I'm sorry, but these characters are just... They don't have that excitement for me. No. I think from that, they're just quite flat what in about, the Mandalorian. And I f- granted, we've only seen a very small amount of him in live action. But what about Ezra? Because I've always thought Ezra's whole deal was that because I, I look this back all the way to um, is it the Twin Sons episode where he he meets Obi Wan mm. and then Obi Wan fights Maul and kills him. Where, yeah. uh, uh, where you know he's on Tatooine looking for an, or him, and then Obi Wan's like, Ezra, you're not supposed to be here. This is not your path. You know, your path lies somewhere else. Which you know it goes into the bigger question of like, oh, well, Order sixty six wasn't that good. There's Jedi everywhere. I'm like, yes, there is a few Jedi around, but it is Luke's destiny to, to restore balance. Mm. You know, it, that hits his path. Same with Ezra. Um, it, I think it was, it's his path. To fight Thrawn, you know, because it, that, that's what Rebels set up. I feel as if it, he is sort of shaping up to be the leading protagonist of Filoni's movie. If Because that, for me, makes sense for Ezra's character. What do you think? Well, see, see, we're, we're, talk, we're talking though about two very different things. You're talking about what would make sense for a story and be good. And I think that's very valid. I'm trying to think of it as this is a film they want to push in theatres. And it, like I obviously like Ezra and all that. I watch these cartoons and things, and I think the new act is great. But I don't think general audiences will like see like, oh, there's this guy in a movie, and want to yeah. go to the cinema so for it. You, uh, so that's what yeah. that's where I'm coming from. Do you not think? Um, so yeah, because I'm I am kind of with you that because I want Ezra to kind of be like the lead protagonist and be the hero of the story. But I think there is that yeah. conflict of interest of having him versus Luke and Leia mm. in there. Um, because you can't have both, and and especially if you bring mm. in Luke, it, it, it's it's hard to then pull him away for only just having for one scene or something, you know. It's yeah. I, I don't know. I feel, I feel as if this era of Star Wars is kind of really muddy because there's a lot of baggage of this era from previous expanded stuff that a lot of fans are attached to. Yeah, I don't know. And and it's tough. I I'm. <laughs> I sympathize with them because it's a it's a series where there is a struggle to like make new characters because they know like 
I think they were they get dragged a lot for like having to recycle characters from the old stuff so much. But there is like a horrible backlash usually when they try and do new characters. So it's it's a real mess. So I my my gut says they're going to try and do the big three. And I know people online saying like they would like um oh sorry I forget it Billy Lord to play Carrie Fisher and mm. all that. And I think that's good. I think it should be great. Yeah, I think that would work. She's yeah. a good actress. And I'd prefer that. I'd I'd be delighted if they just say like we're recasting because that makes sense. But um, yeah. but at the same and, time, and, this and has cast been a, worry, the guy a worrying who precedent. Luke in in the TV show, just don't digitize his face because he looks like Mark Hamill. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, but it, it's tough because, as I said, this is I'm talking about like dream situation because they have like they almost kind of doubled down with CG Luke after Mando two. They bring him back for Boba Fett. Oh yeah, and I feel like they they were towing the line very deliberately in Ahsoka having that C-3PO cameo being like, oh, here's a letter from Princess Leia. It's like, were they thinking about having someone come in and they decided against it? Or was this always the case? I feel like because they're pushing up against that of like, she's almost here. She's in the next room. Yeah. Are they trying to test the waters a bit? Mm. I, I, I think so. I, I think so. Because it's a shame because like cause I, I I did enjoy that you know that that um cameo you could call it from three PO because I thought it it was endearing and I think it did make kind of sense story wise because during this time of the New Republic Leia would be politically active in in, in things like this you know so yeah, yeah. It, it does make sense to me story wise it's the same it's the same thing with Tarkin you know in Rogue One I'm like. Well, yeah, you kind of have to have Tarkin in a sense because it, it it does make sense. And the same thing with Luke in uh, the end of Mando season two. Who else is going to receive Grogu's call? It kind of has to be Luke, mm. you know? So you do kind of pigeon yourselves yeah. naturally just by playing in this era. Yeah, and it also plays into my theory that Anthony Daniels is like living in the walls at Lucasfilm. <laughs> they just can't, they can't get rid they of him. They can't get rid of him. He's like, well, when, no matter how many times he says it, role, he's like, Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see that guy in anything else. Like just, just once I'd, I'd like to see him like act in another he's film. Another That's a different like, character. He, oh, yeah. He's but, literally done nothing about 3P of poor guy. <laughs> poor guy. But, um, yeah, it's weird. And it's funny that there's all this like debate and discussion about this one kind of pocket, whereas I'm I'm much more interested in this like new Ray film because it gets to wipe that baggage away. Yeah. yeah. Like all and some people got angry about this in the sequels. I think it's great, all the old characters are dead. Yeah, let's, you know, let's move I, on. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Let's move on. Uh, this is set up something new and move forward because I feel like we're just going to be in the mire for so long. Mm. And I do wish that all the Stay Filoni stuff, I wish he just kept to like the animation because I think that made a really nice distinction mm-hmm. that we know like, because you could do anything with like those legacy characters in animation. That's why I like it so much. Well, I'm, I've, uh, said, I've said it before and I'll say it again. My favorite Star Wars uh, TV show today is is still The Bad Batch. You know, I know people obviously have Andor, but mine's the Bad Batch. I think what what that show is doing. I know he's not actively a part of it, but I think the way that they're crafting a new story in a very familiar mm. era and incorporating, you know, new characters, 
but also bringing in, mm. I think, the cameos, if you want to use that word, I think are utilized much more effectively in the Bad Batch than in some of the live action stuff. Yeah. In, in, the, in the cartoons, they, they don't feel like cameos. They feel like characters with a function. Whereas my problem with these shows is a lot of times when characters show up, it does feel like a... Hello! Let's yeah, stop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and witness this character. The three of us, for anyone joining new back in our sales days, uh, we had a... I don't want to call it a blow up, a blow up between us about me getting angry about RTD oh, showing up in situation. the Mandalorian yeah. as well. <laughs> Just looking at the camera and beeping and booping and farting. I don't know. But <laughs> this is this is on the verge of turning into a, a Mandalorians episode and it the Mandalorians. Is. It is. Well, I th- like the, the legacy characters are dead. We you gotta <laughs> We gotta move past this. We gotta move past this. Uh well, do you have any last words on the Star Wars situation, Jake? Um no, we'll wait and see, I, I guess. is Because uh, I think uh, right now, Star Wars is very um, up in the air of, of, of what they're doing and, and on what's even coming out, you know? Yeah. Well, speaking of up in the air, following ah, ah, the I, I see what amazing you did there. success <laughs> of Top Gun Maverick, the film that may have saved cinema, uh, there's been some interesting developments with Mr. Tom Cruise. Uh, question mark, question mark, favorite Scientologist and action star? <laughs> I mean, as Scientologists go, probably, yeah, my favorite, but... <laughs> probably. So, um, <laughs> this is this is really interesting to me. So, Warner Bros. has made a deal with Tom Cruise. To, Sorry, I just I, love I wanted... how you call it Warner Bros. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Warner Bros. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's what, that's what it's down. That's on my notes. Uh, oh, no, now it's Warner Bros. Discovery. What yes, does that mean? Yeah. We're, we're in a bad spot with Warner Bros. So, but that's so, a soon it will for. be um, Warner Brothers Discovery, Apple presents Disney Plus. Um. Yeah, <laughs> it, precisely. So, um, so they've, yeah, they've made, which I hate to say, it makes my skin call a new strategic partnership deal with Tom Cruise that's going to take into effect this year, which will allow him to, like, produce and develop original and franchise theatrical titles apparently one that they're already looking at is a sequel to edge of tomorrow so oh, i guess edge okay. of tomorrow potentially Ooh. title yeah there's something there um and then when you do the thir- is- when you do the third one the edge you could have the three as the e yeah but this is really interesting to me because not long before this there was a there was a rumor going around that warner bros and paramount were looking at some kind of merger and Tom Cruise is kind of like the Paramount Golden Boy after Top Gun, and he's got the Mission Impossible series with them, as well as some other projects that they're still developing. Like it doesn't mean he's gone because because we're not we're not in the old studio system where one studio owns Tom Cruise. <laughs> They've also announced because this is a post strike that they are now working on Top Gun Three, which I couldn't be more chuffed about. Mm-hmm. But I just I just find this really fascinating because Tom Cruise now has like. It is like old Hollywood where he's such a get that they just want him like as almost a producer. Because the guy, I think he's he does have his finger on the pulse in terms of like these big blockbusters, I feel. Um, which is interesting because he is really kind of just recycling things he's already done. But because of his commitment to theatrical releases and practical stuff... I think he's become a bit of a golden ticket. Because mm-hmm. Tom Cruise is weird. He's a controversial figure. He went through a period where because he jumped on Oprah's couch, people hated him. <laughs> There's a great podcast um, called You're Wrong About that does an episode on that. That's really interesting. 
Why, that was a phenomenon of all things to get upset about. Him claiming to love his wife loudly. <laughs> you know, whatever. But yeah, um, I, I'm fascinated by this. I don't think we're going to spend as much time talking about this as Star Wars because we uh, we have our own kind of illness in that sense. But uh, Jake, what do you make of this? I, I'm i in two minds about this. One, I, I'm pretty much most of the time all for anything Tom Cruise wants to do because I really respect and admire the guy. Um, because I believe he's one of Hollywood's mm. last, one of the few last movie stars. You know, yeah. I think I think there's like a, a a distinguishment between like a movie star and and just an actor or or yeah. an, or an actor. You know, in, in that sense. Yeah. Um, but I think there's very few of them left. Uh, Tom Cruise mm. being one of them, and probably the biggest one of them all. Um, and, and he's I, constantly endangering his own life. He's constantly. <laughs> he, this this is why I respect the guy. He he loves film. He loves cinema so much that he's going to literally death-defying efforts to produce some spectacles that we've never seen before to shock us as mm. audience members. You know, and it, you know, an odd comparison, but it does kind of remind me of Werner Herzog on his statements about film that. You know, when you're mm. crafting a film, you need to feel the effects of it. You need to get your hands in there and make them grubby, you know? Mm. Uh, and I think Tom Cruise is one of those, of that elk, you know, where he believes in the craft of movie making and doing things in, in, and progressing it forward. So I'm, I'm thrilled that he's found something out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to create some more projects here. At the same time, I, I, I you know, I dislike this whole corporate merging mm. aspect of the business uh, because it's it's also kind of like, not fully but it was an aspect as well about what kind of the strikes were implying and saying about these big corporations controlling everything mm. and stuff like that um i think that is a problem but i don't know if it's a problem that's going to get fixed soon it's it's a it's a bigger you know social problem and and political problem especially within the united states um, mm. But yeah, at the same time, you know, co capitalism gives me great movies. So it's <laughs> is that there's a trade off in, in that sense. So yeah, because I think there's some there's some very positive things about this in a sense that a Warner Bros. in the last year or two has turned into I think one of the worst studios in many ways yeah. of like their approach to the industry and the things they want to push. This thing of like canceling films and selling things off to streaming services. Is terrible, and I think Tom Cruise is the antithesis of this. And uh, let's like, not I've... forget um, uh, canning a movie for tax reasons. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is like very different. So I think his influence can only be positive in that sense, as well as I think he's very against like AI mm -hmm. and all that stuff. So that's good. Strike wise, that's positive. Well, let's talk about that when he does Mission Impossible 20 and he wants to do like a flashback scene or something. <laughs> Tom Cruise, I feel, would just play himself in a flashback. He wouldn't give a shit. And I like that. <laughs> Old man uh, he, in the flashback, yeah. Because he's also, um, at the moment, he, he is, as well as Top Gun 3 in development, obviously Mission Impossible 8. The last one was uh, a part one, so he's working on that. And with Universal, I forgot about this, he's making a $200 million shot in outer space movie. Yeah, I've heard about this, yeah. But directed by so Doug Lyman as well. Yeah, so he's kind of playing around with everyone, which, which is good because it's not monopolization. 
Uh, I do want to read this this horrendous uh, like kind of press release oh, that yeah. these uh, these CEOs have put out. Uh, we are thrilled to be working with Tom, an absolute legend in this film industry. I won't do a voice all the time. <laughs> uh, our, our vision from day one has been to rebuild this iconic studio to the height of its glory days. And in fact, when we first sat down with David Zaslav to talk about joining the Warner Bros. Discovery team, he said to us, we are on a mission to bring Warner Bros. back. We have the best resources, storytelling IP, and talent in the business. And we need to bring Tom Cruise back to Warner Bros. <laughs> As if anyone ever said that sentence. Ever. But I love this. They talk about rebuilding it to its glory days when they're talking to the man who has fucked it. Who has just like oh, made it it's, the butt like, of the joke. E- even in his attempt to sound like, yeah, we're bringing this back, he just sounds so corporate and unauthentic yeah. you know like i hate the we term the storytelling ip <laughs> ip ip yeah re- what, we have the, the best resources aren't you broke because <laughs> <laughs> the, the maddest thing is he says we need to bring tom cruise back to warner bros the the history of tom cruise and warner bros is i'll go in um from oldest to newest film the outsiders which i think is a very good francis ford coppola film risky business Interview with a Vampire, mm-hmm. Eyes Wide Shut, Magnolia, The Last Samurai, and film. Rock of Ages. I love The Last Samurai. Like, I've, got to, I've got to shout out to that film. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, there's lots of great movies there, but it's kind of funny because they're none of like the big, huge blockbusters. Ricky, Risky Business might have been the biggest film of those in terms of the splash it made when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just... It's not him doing stunts. It's him dancing his undies, I, well, which maybe I, they'll do that. It didn't make a big splash, but I would say The Last Samurai is a very much a big block, big historical epic, like sort of... Of, of that of that era, the, yeah. the Gladiator came out yeah. and everyone wants a Gladiator kind yeah. of <laughs> yeah. time period. A good time period, I think. Um, yeah, I just think this is kind of a... This is... It's kind of mad. I don't know. This this whole thing. Like, I think hopefully it'll be positive. Hopefully it pushes some cool stuff forward. Um just a, just a weird thing to come out, I think, because of the rumours of this merger. And it feels like this might be their way of saying, like, well, we don't want to team up with Paramount too much, but we can have our cake and eat it. Yeah, but let's go so, directly to Mr. Cruz himself. And if they are thinking of just scrapping their whole streaming idea, because it seems like they're no longer committed. After what seemed like a really strong start, then Zaslav came into power and seemingly destroyed the Warner Bros. streaming service. It seems like it is them like recommitting to cinema, which is good. Yes, but we'll see. We'll see if Warner Bros. doesn't go bankrupt before then, because they're also doing just terribly. Barbie was a huge success, but other than that, they've been bleeding money. So yeah, they needed Barbie, that's... didn't they? Or else, yeah. I was. I was also going to say um, they had Oppenheimer, but no, uh, no one left Warner Brothers and did that with Universal. That's right. Yeah. I think it was rumored they're trying to court Christopher Nolan back, but I do not see him going he's back after. Going. I the, don't think he's going. I, I, I think the way that was handled was very mm-hmm. much like I'm never going to work with you again, sort of thing. Which is weird because that was pre Zaslav, so I, that is just one of the first. Whoever was in charge last, I don't remember. Zaslav's become such a. I read about this dude every day. Oh, I think I can't remember, but it was thing. someone who was equally as problematic as Zaslav. I think I remember. Him. Because you had all that Justice well, League stuff, remember during that time before he came in? Oh, uh, 
Well, that was the guy in charge. That was like Walter Hamada. Or was he in that's charge him. of the whole studio? That's him. He was. He was the guy. Yeah, Walter Hamada. We we won't get into all that right now because <laughs> I do want to. I, I I want to cover Zack Snyder properly soon because um, over of Christmas course, I watched Rebel, Rebel Moon, Moon yeah. and I think that is a discussion of its own. But um, yeah, that's kind of all I have to say on the news for today, Jake. What about you? Yeah, I think so. I think um, we're. As we go into this year, it's I think it's going to be a really interesting year. I think this is um, a year of change within the industry, you know? Mm. I think we're going to see a lot of interesting things happen and new developments. And some th- some things won't work, but, we, you know, we'll see. Well, speaking of change, I need to go and change into some clothes because it's a Saturday and I want to get out on the road and walk about. And then watch some movies later, because that's what I do. I think I'm probably so, going to uh, do the exact same thing, and I'll continue my reading of Dune before the movie comes oh, out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't want any spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> For the record, listeners, uh, Jake's a Dune head. He knows what's going on. I'm a, I'm a spice head. He's a spice head. Yeah, we're trying to get him help. I'm a worm but, guy. Uh, <laughs> worm guy. <laughs> do you know that meme? It's like, would you still love me if I was a worm? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's kind of the plot of Dune. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so thanks everyone for joining us for this first episode of a brand new venture. It's been fun. It's been different. Yeah, it's uh, been we fun. did fall in the trap of talking about Star Wars a bit too much, probably. But hey, you know we're we're recovering addicts. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have our um our slips now and then. Hey, our but slips. at the same time, yeah. you can't help it when the news is Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. So I d- yeah, that's true. At time of recording, I haven't set up like a new socials for the podcast because I do want to make a new Twitter because obviously we'll be stuck with the at Mandalorians otherwise. So hopefully we will be at Tell Don't Show. And if not, by our next episode, I'll have that updated. I'm thinking of doing Instagram as well. Ooh, Wouldn't that be interesting? That would be interesting. I mean, you'd, I... you'd have to keep up with that, but yeah. Get all, get all those oh, yeah. algorithms, you know? Yeah, yeah. Maybe do some clips. We talk about something spicy. I know podcasts do that. Rob, uh, guest of the last show, Rob was great at doing clips whenever he was on. Oh, Rob's and I a, never Rob's followed a, up on he, it. He's a genius. He's a genius, Rob, with that type of thing. He's really in with Rob's the social media. Yeah, yeah. I, I gave, He even conned me out of money for his film. He's a genius. Oh, yeah. He got some money I mean, out of me as well. Uh, Rob did not con us. I need to stop making these jokes. This is a new show and no one knows our relationship to Rob. And I'm hyping him up as like some like evil corporate figure <laughs> accidentally. He is not Zazlov. He's a lovely, lovely boy. No, we he's Rob Ailing. Check out his films. Rob Ailing. For a man called Ailing, he's doing the opposite. He's doing so well. <laughs> that was almost a thing. <laughs> I think we should finish anyway, now. <laughs> we should finish now. We don't have a sign off, do we? Um, I like ending on, we should finish now. <laughs> then we could just do that. Well, until until next day, join us again because we've got the best resources, we have the best storytelling IP, and we have the best talent in the podcasting business. Goodbye. Goodbye. See you next time. Mm-hmm.